Hey, it's Greta Schultz, and you're listening to the Solutions Podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Schultz Business and Facebook.com slash Schultz Business, as well as LinkedIn under Greta Schultz. The Solutions Podcast can also be found on iTunes and Google Play for iPhone, iPad, or Android. On iTunes, the iPhone Podcast app, or on Google Play, search Solutions to subscribe straight from your phone. To keep up to date with the Solutions Podcast, wherever you are, and of course, it's still free. Let's start the show. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Solutions, our podcast today. We have a special guest. It's Dr. Steve Taubman. Steve is a really, really interesting guy. I actually met Steve through Frank DeRaffoli up in New York, as most of you know, is my brother. And uh, he had an entrepreneurial radio show, and Steve was on it. And Frank talked to me about him and said, hey, this guy's really interesting. you got to talk to him and I said all right I will so Steve and I have gone back and forth for a long time he's got some totally cool stuff and uh, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear a little bit a little bit about him welcome Steve what a pleasure to be here Greta thanks for having me so glad you had time for us today so I wanted to talk a little bit you know Steve I I was looking into looking at your book you have two books out now and we'll talk a little bit about that but before we get there you know I was looking at your background a little bit what an interesting background I understand that years ago you started out as a chiropractor talk about that and how you got to from there where you are today Sure. Okay. Well, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, trajectory for sure. I I was a chiropractor for 14 years um, had a very successful sports medicine practice in Burlington, Vermont, and um, did a lot of work in the chiropractic uh, profession and in the, uh, the political side of it. So helped to get hospital privileges for chiropractors here in Vermont. Oh, wow. As I said, did a lot of work in sports medicine. So, so there was a lot of the psychology of performance, the psychology of winning uh, that, that became part of my practice. And it was a great practice, but I got to a point about, uh, oh gosh, I want to say 10 or 12 years into it, where it started feeling like there was something else I needed to do with my life. There was some other place I meant to, was meant to go. I wasn't really sure what it was. I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. But in the meantime, I was starting to, you know, I was learning how to do magic, and I was putting on these shows uh, for corporate <laughs> groups, which was kind of fun. I, of course, the first thing with the magic was I got to torture my patients with it. Oh, that is fun. I'd like to torture my clients sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, was, it was kind of an interesting thing, and it was great for the young kids to, uh, you know, before I was good enough to pull it off for adults, at least I could fool a kid. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I, was, uh, I had that part of my personality, that kind of per, uh, performer part of my personality. And I got to a point in my practice where something told me it was time to move on. There was, there, nothing was wrong except for the fact that I'd go into work at eight o'clock in the morning, and by nine o'clock I'd be—I I, I had looked at my watch ten times. Oh, and, and I'm sure you know that feeling. It's the sense that time just won't go fast enough. It's like dragging along, and I knew something was wrong. I knew I wasn't feeling fulfilled, and yet at the same time, you know what it's like when you've put your time and your effort and your attention and your studies into into achieving a goal. Yes, and you know you don't want to give it up that easily. You know, a lot of people stick with things in their lives that maybe they should move on from, whether it's a job or a relationship, because they put a lot of work into it. Yep, you're absolutely right. So it's like, I read a quote recently, it was something like, you know, don't don't keep making the same mistake just because of how long you put into making the mistake. (laughs) That's a good quote. That's so true. I think so many people do that. 
Yeah. So I was one of those people for a good long time until I finally woke up one morning and um, I'd sort of hit the wall. And I was sitting in a chiropractic seminar one day with a group of chiropractors uh, being motivated by a very inspiring speaker. And everybody was getting pumped and excited, and I wasn't. But I, sh I, I wanted to be. I should have been, but I didn't feel a thing. Wow. And so I got up, and I went into, I went out of the room. This was at a hotel, a local hotel. And this was back before anybody had cell phones, back in 96. It wasn't common to have a cell phone back then. Uh, and I picked up a, I, I, I took a magazine with me that had uh, a chiropractic magazine that in the back of the magazine, there was a listing for a, a chiropractic appraisal company that would appraise your practice for sale. Hmm. And I went to a payphone, called them up. I said, wow. I'm selling my practice. <laughs> From the event? From the event, like right then and there. Wow. I was absolutely sure. It was just somehow I knew. It was like I had to pull the trigger and move on. And if you were to ask me then what it was or why I needed to leave, I don't know if I could have told you. Now, you know, 20 years later, I can tell you that uh, there, there are a few reasons. One of them is that, that I, it didn't suit my personality enough. I needed to be out doing things in public. I needed to be impacting larger numbers of people on a stage. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's kind of the direction I went in. And also, um, I still had some unresolved psychological stuff. I was still, um, you know, hitting a lot of walls in terms of anxiety and depression and insecurity. And those, that, those things would show up if, if I weren't getting great results with a patient. Yeah, that's true. Somebody wasn't getting better. All of a sudden, I felt guilty. I felt like, you know, I'm a terrible person. And, you know, despite the fact that I was doing everything I could for them, I just couldn't get comfortable with that, you know, that's the feeling of failure that would come along from time to time. Wow. So a lot of things were kind of pushing down on me, pressing down on me. And, and so I, I sold my practice. And uh, as you know... I um, kind of jumped into the void. I took a year off, um, went to Guatemala, studied Spanish, wow. uh, had kind of a vision quest where I, you know, I did a lot of learning things like meditation, mindfulness, which is still part of what I teach. And at some point, I was introduced to the idea of, of hypnosis, uh, stage hypnosis. And I, I studied with a guy and with the American Board of Hypnotherapy, and I became a stage hypnotist. And it was a, obviously a radical change from what I was doing before. Hmm. And, but I got very good at it, very popular at it. I was the official uh, hypnotist for MTV Spring Break. That is, and that, you have to talk a little bit about that story. That, I could, when I read that, I said, what? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, the story is that I was in Jamaica, Barbados or Jamaica, I think Jamaica, and uh, and I was doing a hypnosis show, a televised hypnosis show for about 2,500 college kids on the beach. We had one of those big, like, giant stages that bands. <laughs> and I had, like, 2,500 kids in the audience. I had about 20 people on stage, and they were all hypnotized. And I was doing all the things that I was used to doing during a hypnosis show. You know, I've got, got them milking a cow. got them conducting an orchestra. <laughs> I've got one guy who thinks he's pregnant. Yeah, and then I had another guy think he was the father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, so fun, so fun. And in the middle of the show, I decided to try something different, you know, something I hadn't done before. But one of the things, if you're a performer, that you know in, instinctively is that when things are going well, that's when you pull out your new material or just you trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those shows. So I, I took one of my subjects, this very attractive, strong guy, looked like, Channing Tatum. 
Yep. And I said, when you wake up, three things are going to happen. I said, number one, you don't believe you're hypnotized even though you are. I said, number two, this is the worst show you've ever seen and you are pissed. <laughs> and I said, number three, there's an invisible wall three feet in front of you. So I woke everybody up and I said, how's everybody doing? And everybody says, we're great. And this one guy, Channing Tatum, screams, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, luckily it was him and not somebody else saying that. And yeah. uh, so I said, what's the problem? He said, the show's terrible. I said, well, what? then leave. And the guy gets up and he takes three steps and he hits the invisible wall. And he just, his hands go up and he starts to push and push and he's fretting and he's straining and he finally sits back down, crosses his arms and starts to pout. And I said, what's the problem? He says, nothing. I said, are you hypnotized? He says, no. I said, are you having fun? He says, no. I said, well then, why don't you leave? Guy thinks for a minute. Finally says, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction. Oh my God, it's awesome! And, you know, and, and that was a that was a pivotal moment in my life, and it was funny as as I'll get at. But what, what was pivotal about it for me, since I had been studying meditation and I had been teaching people about mindfulness, and all of a sudden this sort of thing kind of clunked into place in my brain, and I thought that's that's the problem. That's our human dilemma. That's all of us, right? We're all trying to get somewhere. We all have a hope, a dream, a desire. You know, your your audience is comprised of people who sell and you know, uh, professional people yes. uh, who have who have goals and have have outcomes they're they're trying to achieve. And then they move toward those goals and they hit their invisible walls. That's so which true. Are, so uh, true. Which are something inside their own minds. And and what they'll do is they'll they'll try to power through it, like this guy did, try to push through it. And to no avail, because as long as that wall feels real, it's going to resist every amount of pressure you put on it. And so what happens for most people is that they'll apply a finite amount of effort to trying to overcome this mysterious blockage that they face. And when they fail to do so, they will then begin to make excuses. Oh, it's the, you know, I've got a bad territory. My boss doesn't understand me. People in this neighborhood just don't want what I have to offer. Right. You know, it, it, there's any number of excuses that we make, and we don't think they're excuses. For us, they're very real. But but what they all have in common is that, the, that we don't have control over any of them. Whereas the reality is that we all have control over what's going on inside of our own minds. But we've never learned how to exert that control. You know, Steve, it, this is so, so, so interesting to me because, you know, I don't have any of the background that you have at all. I just, you know, in working with salespeople for all the years I've done it, um, one of the things I really have understood is that almost every time there's an issue, it's internal and it's their own belief. Everything is about their belief. It really, truly is. If you believe that you don't deserve to be meeting with a CEO, then you're not going to. If you don't deserve, if you don't, if you don't believe that you deserve to, you know, make a half a million dollars, then you're not going to. So much of it comes from inside because when you truly do believe it, you make it happen because pff, I don't understand why I wouldn't. I know that, you know, I believe I should be there. So, you know, in, in reading your stuff and, and from what you just said, what are some of those things that, you know, how do we get past that wall? Because my audience, the people in my world, 
they run into that all the time. And you're right. Some of them say, I don't know how to get past that. And other ones say, oh, no, no, that's not it. It's some external force, which it's not. Right. Well, you, you just brought up two of the most important pieces of the puzzle. And the very first one is you've got to admit that, you know, that it is, in fact, you. Because if you don't, Gurdjieff, the philosopher Gurdjieff said the first step for escaping from prison is realizing you're in prison. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's the same thing here. It's the first step for overcoming this, this, in, this mental prison is realizing you're in a mental prison. And if you don't, if you continue to uh, tote the party line that it's something outside of yourself, then, you know, you know, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. Wow. So Wait, so wait, that, wait, wait. If okay. you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. That yeah. is a quote that is – I love that. Okay, everybody that's listening to this, I want you to write that down. If you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. Steve, I am coining that with your name on it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I'm the first one who said it, but I appreciate that. I've never heard of it, so. Okay. So, so that's a great, um, you know, that's, that's a great starting point is, is in the same way as if you are an alcoholic, you know, you've got to first admit it. Mm -hmm. That's the first step in the 12-step process. You've got to admit that there's something going on between your ears that's having an impact on your success. And it's, a, it's maybe the hardest of all the steps, yeah. right? Because we don't, want to, we don't want to do that because there's a very thin line between responsibility and blame. You know, we taking responsibility for something sounds a lot like blaming ourselves for it. And I don't want to blame myself for it. I don't want to disempower myself. And that's true. You don't. But you do have to take responsibility. You do have to... Uh, shine the light in the right direction. And when you find people that shine the light in the right direction and say, okay, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to look internally, do you see some, some changes quicker and better and faster? Yeah, absolutely. So that so once somebody's made that recognition, made that admission, uh, the very next thing to do is to realize where is it coming from? What, what part of my mind is it living in? And so now, of course, I'm a hypnotist, and I've got a great deal of, of experience working with um, salespeople, professionals, leaders, uh, and I can tell you with great certainty that the very highest achievers, the people who do the best in business, and whether they're salespeople or any other uh, type of a professional person, what they're doing, whether they call it or not, they are hypnotizing themselves. That's what they do. So, are so in this in this case, are you saying that when they hypnotize themselves, it's 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 in other words re-establishing that record in their head, that belief is becoming so strong it becomes almost a hypnosis of belief. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, so what I'm saying is that exactly that, that we start out with uh, any number of messages in our head that got there in a variety of ways, uh, whether we were taught by our parents that we're not good enough or, or our peers, or maybe we just you know had an experience that we, re we interpreted in a negative way. So we've developed this sort of set of beliefs and ha habitual thought that represents our existing hypnosis. Think, of, think about it like you're already hypnotized. Mm -hmm. You've already hypnotized, and you've been walking around hypnotized all this time, and it doesn't feel like you're hypnotized because what does hypnosis feel like? Who knows? <laughs> right. So, so here you are hypnotized into believing a lot of things about yourself that you're absolutely dead certain are true. Now somebody comes along and says, hey, guess what? You're hypnotized. Well, first you say, no, I'm not. 
And eventually, maybe you are a lucky enough person to recognize that uh, maybe this guy's got something. Maybe maybe that's true. Maybe I am hypnotized. Well, then, yes, the very next step is to learn how to let go of those beliefs that have been programmed into you and to take responsibility for reprogramming your mind with beliefs that serve you. Wow. Out with the old and in with the new. And it's a process. It's a, it's a deliberate, specific process, and it's teachable. We can all learn how to do it. There are people who sort of naturally fall into that, and, and it usually has to do with people who know how to put themselves into a particular state of mind, relaxed state of mind, people who accept and understand that just having moments of quiet, moments of stillness throughout the day are valuable. It's not a waste of time. And then people who can use the power of visualization, who will literally who'll daydream, who will see the positive outcome. Right, you know, I mean, we all daydream, right? We all go into trance all day long. If you don't think you go into trance, then how do you, you know, how do you explain the fact that you drove home yesterday and you remember how you got there? <laughs> yeah, how do you explain the fact that you're looking for your cell phone while you're talking on your cell phone? Oh my gosh, have you talked to my husband? Because that actually happened. <laughs> that actually happened to me. I'm not kidding. Oh yeah, no, I've I've had that experience. I've oh, done it. Thank God, because uh, I thought it was just me. Yeah, no, you're definitely not alone in that. And there are a whole host of these. In fact, it's estimated that we spend 60 to 70% of our day in a trance. You know, so much of our day is spent on automatic. And it's getting worse, right? You see people walking into walls with their cell phone. Yes. Right? So that state of, of uh, almost being robotic, almost being on automatic, it, it can serve you um, to get you through those times that when you don't really need to be uh, thinking and planning. But it can also work against you if what's going on while you're on automatic is negative. So the people who, who are successful, they are just as hypnotizable and they go into trance just as quickly as almost anybody else. It's just that they know how to use it to their advantage. Hmm. So, so what couple things you said that were really impactful. The first thing you have to kind of do is when you hit a wall, when you have that feeling of I can't or you know those external excuses start coming up, you have to realize that you have an internal wall, that it's internal, that it's probably coming from, you know, most of the time. And then you want to try to figure out where it's coming from? Not necessarily, and here's why. Okay, okay. Okay, so, so figuring out where it comes from is, a, is the domain of psychology, isn't it? Where we go to psychologists and we sit down and we talk about our past and what did my mom and my dad do that screwed me up so bad? And, yes, you know, yes. Uh, all that stuff. And, you know, that could be um, illuminating in certain ways, but, um, you know, understanding is the booby prize. Meaning, you know, just yeah. because you know where it came from doesn't mean you've solved anything. So, so sometimes that whole quest for, uh, for an understanding of where it comes from can be kind of a waste of time. It could be interesting and it could be empowering to the extent that it makes you stop blaming yourself. But then it could be disempowering to the extent that you figure, okay, now that I understand it, I don't have to do anything. Ah, interesting. Right. So, you know, there's... We are very good at, um, you know, thinking we're going to think our way out of our predicament in life. And we can't think our way out of our predicament. We've got to be our way out of the predicament. What I mean by that is we need to learn how to shut up our minds, how to stand in the face of all the things that are pulling us, the fears, the distractions, the uh, the depression, whatever that is, and, and 
develop a, um, a an inner core of strength. That's where this comes from. What it, what it comes from an ability that you develop by following a certain kind of system, disciplining yourself, quieting your mind, discovering that the things that you used to react to, you don't have to react to anymore. So, it sounds so difficult to do. Is it diff I mean, it, like you said, it takes time or it takes training. I, I can't imagine being able to shut off and really kind of develop that inner core of strength. I'm not, first of all, not sure exactly what it means. And second of all, I'm not sure I would know how to do that. Well, let's do it. Let's use a, a useful example. Okay. Let's, let's pretend that you are, you've been in sales for a while and you're, and you're noticing that, um, you know, that you're having awkward conversations with people that aren't moving to a close of sale. Okay. Okay. And, you know, picture yourself in that situation. You'd feel a certain number of emotions that come up when you fail in the way that you want to succeed. There's a feeling that goes along with it. Okay. All right. Now, there you are in that moment. What we usually do is those, those feelings create a kind of reaction. My reaction is, boy... I'm not going to do that again. So we might retreat from the thing that might might serve us, hmm. right? Because because we don't like the way it feels, and so we're constantly being confronted in our lives by feelings that we react to by trying to get away from them. And as a salesperson, so for example, in sales, one of the most common ones is what's called approval addiction. Yes, oh, yes. approval of other people. Right now, we all have a little bit of approval addiction. We all do, really. You know, we've grown up feeling like we need other people to like us, to trust us, to believe us. And there's nothing that's terribly wrong with that, except that when it becomes addictive, when we really need it, it could limit our lives. It could 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 slow us down. And in most areas of life, I mean, if you work on a lot, you know, on, on an assembly line, it doesn't really matter that much. Hmm. But if you're a salesperson and you're relying on your ability to influence and persuade, but you're addicted to the approval of others, you're going you're gonna to be shutting down before you successfully influence somebody's thinking, right? Because you're going to see their resistance, you're going to see their objections, and it's going to do something inside of you that's just going to feel very unpleasant. That is so true. That is right? absolutely so true, Steve. And if it happens enough, you're going to give up. You're going to stop being a salesperson. You're going to, you know, you're going to give up on your dream because this feeling keeps coming up. You don't know what to do with it. And that feeling came from this addictive need for approval. You know, so many salespeople, I call it need for approval, but, you know, approval addiction is, is even a better way to say it. And, you know, in at least in the world of sales, and I know you deal with lots of different uh, types of people, but in the world of sales, what happens is so often people are in sales, go into sales because, you know, everybody loves me and I got a good personality and everybody keeps telling me I should be in sales because I'm a real people person. You know? And that's what, that's so often what leads people into sales. And the problem is what leads them there that, hey, everybody loves me is the one thing that often, just like you're saying, is often what makes it difficult for them to stay there because this isn't about approval. This isn't about people loving you. This is about you know getting forth an idea of what makes sense and sometimes you get pushback and that pushback feels uncomfortable for people that have that 
approval addiction. So after a while, they get enough pushback and they say, these people don't like me. They don't like what I, so I'm not going to do this anymore. And I think that is so prevalent in our industry. It is very prevalent in this industry. And so that, that's a great, a great example of what I'm talking about. I'm saying that, um, that strengthening process, we call it mental toughness is the, is the terminology we usually use for it. Being able to be bolder, tougher, more resilient in the face of having your addictions triggered. Right. So if you think of it like what we're going to do is rather than take you out of this industry and make you give up on your dream, what if instead we can show you how to overcome the addiction? Nice. So that's that's one of the things that you can help people with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's where these kind of uh, hypnotic processes work very, very, very well. And so, you know, we could teach people how to put themselves into a certain state of mind so they can reinforce a hypnotic um, script for themselves. I, I, I have a – everything I do is in, is in threes. You know, I think we – you know, it's almost like the world is a pyramid, you know, in the sense that, you know, a pyramid is, is a strong structure, right? So mm-hmm. um, any things you hear like a joke is usually in threes. Mm-hmm. And there's three steps to this or three steps. Threes are great. Threes are powerful. Three is a powerful number. And in, in this area, I talk about silence, symbolism, and scripting. Okay. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. You're addicted to the approval of others. That happens to be your affliction. Uh, you don't want to be stopped in your business. And so you're smart enough to realize that maybe you actually have that problem. That's step one. We said the first step is it's you. It's not them. Yep. And now you're ready to do something with it. So now comes this three-step process, silence, symbolism, and scripting. And this is what a lot of very successful people have stumbled upon in their business and what we teach people to do um, to become ninjas at, to become masters at. So silence basically means just that. It's like learning how to shut up your brain, which for most of us is a near impossibility. Yeah. Right? But there are ways, and we that's what we teach you to do, is to basically find the off switch. So then the second step, if your brain could be quiet, if you could get your conscious mind to, to step aside, now we have access to your subconscious mind. Or your subconscious is what's below the surface. Yeah. And what's below the surface is where all the power is. That's where all the juice is. All your beliefs, your imagination. Your passion, your, your, your motivation, all of those things live in your subconscious mind. So if I could teach you to get your conscious mind quiet, now you have access to the subconscious mind. And so the second step is called symbolism, and it goes like this. If you've ever seen me on stage uh, performing um, a phobia cure, I don't know if you ever, no, Greta, you never, I guess you never did see it live. I haven't. We've talked about doing that, and uh, we're definitely going to. We haven't gotten it together yet. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. So one of the things I'll do uh, toward the end of every show is I will uh, ask the people I've hypnotized uh, to share what they're afraid of. And, of course, there's all the usual ones. I'm afraid of spiders, snakes. You know, some people are afraid of clowns. Um, they're afraid of heights. They're afraid of flying. And there, are, and there are some strange ones too. But people have a certain uh, number of predictable fears. Yes. 99% of which are irrational fears. They don't really have any substance. There's no reason for them. They just have it. Right. Well, clowns are okay. ugly. So I got to tell you, clowns are rational. That's a wacko. <laughs> they're wack. Yeah, they're probably rational. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. 
so, so now you have this, this recognition that I'm afraid of this thing. So if I'm going to hypnotize somebody and get rid of their fears, which, by the way, has a success rate of about 99 percent. It's exceptionally effective. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that person who's already in a hypnotic trance, which implies that they're already able to have their mind be pretty quiet, right? I've already quieted their mind. Mm -hmm. So we're creating silence. So in the same way, I'm going to take somebody uh, like yourself who maybe has approval addiction. I'm going to walk you through a process to help you get quiet inside. Mm -hmm. Okay. The second thing I'm going to do is called symbolism. And I'm going to suggest that... We, um, we as human beings are addicted to thinking. We think and we think about thinking and we think about thinking about thinking. So like let's say you're afraid of something. Typically what you'll do is you'll say, um, oh, no, what if I get afraid of this? Right? You think about it. You're afraid of being afraid. What if I walk into a situation where I feel afraid? Then so you're afraid of being afraid. Yeah. Right. And yeah. this is how we operate in life. And, you know, some people who are angry people, you'll find that if somebody tends to be angry and they want to overcome it, then for the next time they get angry, they'll be like, I can't believe I'm angry. <laughs> so they're, they're angry at their anger. Right. So people are afraid of their fear. They're angry at their anger. Um, we spin ourselves deeper into our own misery by applying thought to the thing that we feel. I know this is. I'm going into. I'm going into new territory here, so I'll try to go slow. But I want you to really get this because it's really cool. It's really brilliant and it's powerful. Yes. And we don't learn this in life. Okay. So, if you can accept the idea that your brain is not your friend in all situations, and you're not your brain, you know, we like we're addicted to thinking, so we think we are our brain. We think we are our thoughts, but you're not. You can watch your thoughts play out. One of the best things you could do in life is just start watching yourself think. And because if you do, if you become the witness to your own thoughts, you'll see how crazy you are. <laughs> wow. Right? So here's what happens. So now I'm, I notice that I've got anxiety and now I'm anxious about being anxious and, uh, you know, I'm addicted to the approval of others and now I feel terrible about myself for being addicted to the approval of others and, and my brain goes haywire. I'm thinking, my brain is, is firing on all cylinders and I can't. Relax. I can't calm down. I can't walk into a situation and and sell effectively because my brain is my enemy in that moment. We've all had that experience. We've all felt like I just I, I can't get out of my own way. Yes. All right. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about those moments when you can't get out of your own way. So now, what do I do in in a hypnotic state? I take somebody. I go through silence, and then symbolism is this. Suppose I were to say to you, um, I want you to think about this situation that makes you very anxious. You know, you're, you're in a sale and you're, you know, you're in a sales presentation and the person you're talking to is looking at you skeptically. Mm. And it, you feel that icky feeling inside. Right? Now, this, when we started this conversation, I said, this is what happens. We usually collapse into our feelings and we fail to achieve our goals. Because that feeling is so pervasive, it's so intense. So picture yourself there. You're, you're making your presentation, the other person is looking yeah. at you with skepticism and doubt, and inside you're feeling terrible. Mm -hmm. you know, all your guilt feelings and all your imposter feelings and I'm not good enough feelings and all that Anxiety stuff. Anxiety and yeah, yeah. It's all up, right? So now, typically what you're going to do with that 
is you're going to start thinking about it. Oh, my God, you know, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But here's what I'm going to do as a hypnotist. I'm going to say, okay, and now this is we're, we're doing this as it's, as a clinical experience. You're not actually in the situation. You're just right. pretending. Right. Okay. If you're pretending that you're in this sale, you're pretending the person is is doubtful, you're pretending and therefore you're feeling this terrible feeling, which, by the way, is an interesting thing to realize, which is that you can create emotions inside of you from your own imagination. I absolutely believe that. It's so You're right. I mean, it's amazing how powerful it is. You can think I, about things and all of a sudden your stomach turns. Yeah, well, isn't that interesting? So if that's the case, then why do you use it to your advantage and do it the other way? Yes. Right? Yeah. So here you are. You're thinking about this thing. It's terrible. It's horrible. You feel bad. And you're in all likelihood, if you were in that situation, that's exactly what would happen. And then I come along as, the, as your hypnotist today, and I say, okay, Greta, we're going to freeze the frame. We're going to stop in this moment. And in this moment, I'm going to ask you to turn your attention away from the scenario, away from this image that you've created of this skeptical person watching you make a presentation. And instead, I'm going to ask you to turn your attention to the inside feeling. What does it feel like inside of your body right now? And so now your inquiry changes. Your inquiry is no longer about the guy who, who looked at you skeptically. Your inquiry is about what does it feel like inside of me? Mm-hmm. Ew, I don't like the way this feels. My stomach is turning and tense. My neck is tense. My throat is tight. My face is hot. Mm-hmm. So now you're you're looking at the sensations. You're out of your head and into your body. All right? Yep. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, I want you to imagine that that feeling in your body is like a bundle or a package taking up space inside of you. All right, that, that entire feeling, it's like a big bundle inside of you. It's got a size and a shape. It's got a density. It's got a color. It's got a location. It's somewhere inside of you. So you're going to imagine that bundle inside of you. Can you do that? Okay. Now watch that bundle as we now begin to make it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until soon it's so small that it'll fit in one hand. Hmm. And when it's small enough to fit one hand, grab a hold of it in one hand. And on the count of three, throw it away as far as you can, letting go of that fear now and forever once and for all. One, two, three, throw it away. Done. Got it. Good. Okay. What we just did is called symbolism, right? It's symbolism. We're not, nobody thinks that you actually pulled something out of your body. <laughs> right. Right? You symbolized it. But what's fascinating is that symbolism works very well with the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind really eats it up. So when you learn tools like that, symbolic tools to let things go, quite often you will get relief. You'll open up space inside of you. You won't be inundated. You won't be filled up with that feeling. So if you've been feeling approval addiction, you're going to feel a little breathing room around it. Right? So you started out going into silence because you never could have done this if you were in your fully awake state. You would would have poo-pooed the whole thing, like most people probably are listening to me talk about it. Right? Because in your conscious mind, it means nothing. Well, it doesn't make sense consciously because you have all these other things holding it back. I mean, that makes – I understand that, yeah. Right, exactly. But in this in the subconscious state, it's like becoming a little kid, right? It's like playing make-believe. And if you play make-believe enough, it feels real. Right. Okay, so you're playing make-believe. There's nobody saying that you're really pulling something out of your body. 
But you play make-believe. You let go of this symbolically. What it does is it gives you some breathing room. And so that takes you through the second part of the three-step formula because we said silence, symbolism, and then scripting. So what does scripting mean? Scripting means that you're going to create a vivid, imaginary experience of how you want your future to look. Not just spouting off affirmations. I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> right? A lot of salespeople, a lot of sales pros out there right now are using affirmations and wondering why they're not working. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Because you're talking to your conscious mind with your conscious mind. You're not talking to your subconscious mind. You're not impacting the deeper fears, the deeper uh, parts of yourself, and you're not triggering your imagination. Which Where essentially I'm, is dri what drives your conscious mind, it sounds like, is your subconscious mind. Oh, absolutely. That's why, the, that's why I find that when I work with highly successful people, every one of them has some version of what I'm describing. The, you know, you, you take the average person and, you know, as I said, everybody kind of goes into trance. So you'll see them like staring off into space in the middle of their day. If you were to go up and say, what, what you're thinking about? They're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Right? <laughs> Or maybe they're thinking about how miserable their day is going to be, right? But then you talk to somebody, somebody who's very successful and you say, you know, you wake them up from their trance and you snap them out of it. Hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, you know, I was planning this, uh, this, this strategy that I'd be uh, working or I'm, I'm just picturing myself in the, in the new house we'll be building, mm -hmm. right? They use the power of visualization. So you need to use that. And the power of that is remarkable. We've, we, we had a, an experience, uh, my business partner in particular, where – um, there was there was an organization I was working with, and there's a sales organization, and they had an incentive program. It was an incentive cruise, mm -hmm. and this particular year, nobody won the cruise. Oh my god! Zero. Wow. So so he taught them about using visualization. Picture every day. I want you to picture yourself on the cruise. I want you to see yourself on the deck of the boat. I want you to imagine the sun shining on your face and smell the sea air, and you know, make that part of your daily activity. Ten people won it. Wow. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve, how yeah. do my listeners get to find out more of how to learn how to do this from you? I mean, now, I know that you have a new book out, and I want you to talk a little bit about that. So, in addition to the book, they should all be getting your book. Absolutely. In addition to that, are there a is there a place that they can go to find out where you're going to be so they can come see you if they have an opportunity as well as getting your book. I'd say 90% of my talks are, uh, are you know, through a company or an association. And if you've got, uh, if you work for a company or have an association that would be interested in um, learning more about this type of thing, go to my website, stevetaubman.com. That's Steve, T-A-U-B-M-A-N.com. And uh, use the contact form to inquire about my availability for your company. That's, that's how I do most of my teaching um, at the beginning. Okay. Uh, now I do have some coaching clients and consulting clients, but that usually comes later once people start, you know, learning the basic technology, and then they need to learn how to apply it more specifically to themselves. Okay. So that's a good place to start. And then, um, as you mentioned, I do have a new book out, and it's really about it's about peak performance under pressure. It's about being your best on the battlefields of life. Mastering your mindset in the midst of mayhem and being calm in chaos. That would be nice. <laughs> right. 
So the book is called Buddha in the Trenches. It's not about Buddhism, by the way. Some people have put off Buddha in the Trenches. Basically means, you know, I want you to be a Buddha in the Trenches. A Buddha is somebody who's awake, somebody who's calm and masterful on the battlefields of life. So if you're a salesperson, the battlefields of life mean walking into a meeting or walking into a presentation. I want you to be able to walk in and maintain your absolute conscious serenity. I want you to be feeling just as good in that meeting as you would if you're having dinner with your family. Wow. Perfect. So Buddha in the Trenches, they can get that on Amazon. You can, but you do it better if you go to BuddhaInTheTrenches.com this week because we're going to be uh, giving away about 500 more copies. Oh, wow. So that would be a better way to do it. You just pay for shipping and handling, but you can save yourself 25 bucks on the book. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. So BuddhaInTheTrenches.com. Yep. They can go in there. I'm sure it's very self-explanatory to sign up. It and is. Uh, limited number, obviously, but they need to jump on this fairly quickly. So we'll make sure... I'll make sure that uh, we get that out soon, sooner as opposed to later, because obviously this is recorded, it's not live, so I'm going to get this out as soon as I possibly can, so my people can take advantage of it, because I want them to get it first. <laughs> yes, please, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, so BuddhaInTheTrenches.com or SteveTalbin.com are probably going to be two of your most uh, effective places to go. Um, follow me on Facebook. I've been doing Facebook Live broadcasts where I uh, teach little bits and pieces of this stuff. Um, I even um, I even have a Facebook group called Unshakable Nation. Oh, wow. Okay. And if you join Unshakable Nation, it's all free, by the way. If you join Unshakable Nation, um, what I'm doing for the next couple of weeks, two or three more weeks, is I'm doing free hypnosis sessions. So I've gone on a twice. I did one on overcoming poverty consciousness. You know, some of us, we grow up with very bad messages about money, and we're afraid to make money because we think that money is the root of all evil. That's exactly right. Or, so, or you know I, what else? I, just add, just to, as an aside to that, Steve, at least in the world of sales, we also grew up, which I find that people, um, not only is the root of all evil, they also are grown up with the message that uh, money is something you don't bring up. It's rude to talk about it. So then you get into sales, and somebody asks you how much is it, and you're like, ah. Uh, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> That's so, right. Another one. So, so reframing your belief about money um, through hypnosis, very powerful. I did one on focus, on improving your focus, which to me is the core of almost everything I teach. If you're not good at focus and you don't learn how to get good at focus, you, know, you were saying, boy, it sounds like a lot of work earlier. And that's true. It's work. But if you have good capacity to focus, then it's not hard work. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, JP, who's my marketing guy, make sure he gets those out. He'll follow you. He'll he'll share those things to people on my Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that. And then I can see if we can put something up my face my uh, website where if somebody wants to click on that, they can go over and see if there's more copies left that they can get. That would be there. You great. go. Great. Okay. Anything I can do to help, I'm more than happy to do that. Okay. Uh, my commitment, you know, I, my mission in life is to is to help people uh, who are who are up to something in life, and I believe that most sales professionals are up to something in life. They they're they're trying to dream big. They're trying to live a bigger life. They're trying to impact more people. They're trying to make a bigger difference. Yes. And my mission is to help people make that bigger difference, so that if you can overcome some of these mental barriers. And that allows you to overcome some of the financial barriers. The next step is that you become somebody who's free. 
And freedom is the ultimate goal, right? Freedom, financial freedom, mental freedom goes along with generosity. You know, people who are, who are afraid, people who are stuck, people who are uh, not getting where they want to go in life, they tend to be very self-absorbed. And we've all been there. I mean, I've been very self-absorbed. Very true. But when very things true. are well, you know, when you're starting to make a difference, well, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When your needs are met, now you're willing to start giving to the world. You're starting to, like, get out there and help other people. So, so I really think that if, if more people can learn how to be Buddhas in the trenches, more people can learn how to get out of their own way, stay relaxed, stay confident, stay masterful on the stressful battlefields of life, then they're going to be happy, they're going to be freer, and therefore they're going to make a difference for others. I love it. Great point. I absolutely love it. Steve, thank you so, so much for your time today. Buddha in the Trenches, buddhainthetrenches.com. Jump on there, guys. I want all of my listeners to get the copies before they run out. So, guys, jump on there immediately as soon as you're listening to this. Get on there. Get in there and get your copy. And, uh, again, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure, Greta. Thank you. Thank you.